Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Richmond, Virginia, it's time for Richmond Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Richmond Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, SMN Square, providing building blocks to success and sustainability. Today on Richmond Business Radio, we have Lauren Powell, and she's with The Equitist. Welcome, Lauren. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about The Equitist. How are you serving folks? Well, um, The Equitist is a boutique uh, niche consulting firm that really focuses on um, health equity. So we focus on working with public health and healthcare serving institutions uh, to really help them move from commitments to health equity in theory to action. So how'd you get into this line of work? Well, I've been um, a public health practitioner and I also study this um, formally in an academic setting. So I have a PhD in population health and um, a concentration in racial and ethnic health disparities, as well as a master's in policy. So um, I've been interested kind of in better understanding why uh, there are differences in health outcomes um, across different populations for a very long time. Um, I would say that probably my experiences in college um, navigating Hurricane Katrina, so Hurricane Katrina happened my senior year of college and I was in school in New Orleans and really seeing how broken the healthcare system was sort of before and after that really impacted me and kind of uh, opened my eyes very early to, to this as a potential career. And then when that event happened and you saw the disparity there, um, how did you choose kind of, did you, was the path first academia to try to solve the problem or, and then at some point you said, I'm going to start my own consultancy. Like what was the kind of the timeline on that? Yeah, well, that was, that was a long and winding road. (laughs) Um, I think I've worked in a lot of different settings. So um, I've worked in academic uh, medical hospitals. I've worked in in clinics. I've had uh, retail experience. Like I've worked at all these different types of jobs. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I I graduated with a degree in biochemistry and a degree in science, actually. So um, I still apply the scientific method, even in some ways, to to the ways that I think about trying to solve problems. And so this was a very long and winding road that took me through a lot of different pieces of my career. Um, but ultimately led me to really wanting to, well, I went to grad school because I really wanted to understand how to better uh, improve the participation of minorities in clinical research. And while I was in grad school, I really kind of um, started to understand that that was a driver of health disparities and health inequities. Um, And that kind of led me to where I am um, now. Uh, I've had several, you know, positions kind of working in formal roles. So I was the director of health equity for the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, worked for a couple of national nonprofits, and I've done a lot of work um, in community engagement. And somewhere along the way, I knew that I would eventually want to work for myself. Um, I didn't think it would happen this soon. But uh, when COVID hit, I knew that it would have a disproportionate impact on communities of color, and that um, we would need leaders who really understood health equity um, in this moment. And, and that's what prompted me to start the Equitist. And then in your view of this health equity crisis, um, 
when you're working with the firm, how, like, do you assess, like, where they're at? Like, are they coming to you where, where they see there's some disparity and they're like, hey, we need help making this right? Like, how do, how do you kind of enter their kind of radar? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, there are a lot of organizations right now, especially public health and healthcare serving um, institutions that recognize they need to do more around health equity. So um, to some extent, we have people reaching out who, who willingly um, see that they need help um, and who are really looking for uh, additional support. And so the first step is that we do um, an assessment. We do an organizational um, equity assessment and we ask lots of different questions. Um, questions like, does your organization have um, a commitment basically to racial equity? Do you have a mission statement or uh, a mission statement and a definition around health equity that the whole staff understands? Um, we ask other questions about how staff interact with each other. Uh, we ask about interactions with community and partnerships in the community and relationships um, in communities. And from there, we then move to the next step of creating um, an equity enrichment plan. So I really think that it's important um, to recognize that every institution and in, in workplace is different and, and every healthcare organization is different and therefore needs um, their own special approach. And so our equity enrichment plan really includes um, workshops and immersive learning experiences. Um, we do health equity sort of office hours um, and really try to help move uh, organizations from commitments kind of just in words and in statements to action and help them operationalize um, ways to really embody health equity. Now, do you find that um, in today's world that overtly no one is saying we want to have disparity, but they're just not executing on this promise or they're giving lip service to these mission statements or these values they're, they might put on the wall, but they're not really kind of living into? That's absolutely accurate. That's that's just spot on. Um, and, and it's somewhat um, analogous to racism as well, right? No one wants to outwardly be called racist. No one wants to outwardly say that they are racist. Um, a lot of organizations, especially post uh, the murder of George Floyd, um, posted, you know, lots of statements about standing in solidarity, um, with the black community or, or being anti-racist and really embodying values, core values of equity. So it's essentially politically incorrect, right? To, to be categorized as an inequitable workplace or um, as a racist organization. And so outwardly people are in organizations and leaders are very quick to, um, to say that they denounce those things. But, but when it comes to practice and when it comes to how systems operate, um, it's much harder um, to to put that into action and to actually change the way organizations operate, to change the way that they uh, have relationships with community, and ultimately to change those inequities and disparities we see in society. Now, are there some kind of low hanging fruit that that organizations, whether they raise their hand and engage your organization or not, but things that they could be doing uh, to create more or less disparity? Yeah, I mean, I think it varies with with the organization, um, but I think you know, from a healthcare perspective, um, first and foremost, I mean, it's certainly as we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. 
I think considering how resources are allocated, um, especially we think about like vaccines right now, we could, we could talk about vaccination. Um, are we allocating things according to equality or are we allocating things according to equity? While they're very similar words, equality and equity, they're not the same thing. So equality means giving everyone the same thing regardless of their need. But equity means uh, divvying up resources according to need. So that means some there are some populations and some communities among us, rural populations, urban populations, um, black and white communities, um, Filipino and Asian communities, Native American communities. There are some communities that are going to need more resources because they have greater underlying chronic conditions because uh, of systemic racism and because of the ways that um, society has has constructed um, living conditions. There are some there are some communities that are going to need more, and that is distributing things according to equity. And so I think something that all all these organizations could do at this at this very juncture without even needing sort of uh, the intervention of of my uh, team uh, is to think about how your decisions are being made how your resources are being allocated and who is at the table making those decisions and then in these cases these people it may not um it may not be the most obvious to the people that are doling out the vaccines in this case but it, it's just a matter of having empathy with all the groups. And then even though it may be less convenient to reach out to these, maybe in, in an example might be these rural communities where there's not a lot of density, uh, it might be worth that because they are the ones more in need. Is that the thinking there? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is certainly worth engaging community voices from a variety of communities. Um, it is certainly worth um, helping our leaders understand how to make decisions through a framework of equity. Um, because we see in this particular moment that that has life-saving or life-threatening implications. Um, COVID-19 has been um, the great eye-opener in so many ways, but particularly in recognizing how important public health systems are um, and how important public health leaders are as well. Um, and so you're absolutely right. Uh, the benefit there, it, it is an extra step. It does take extra time. It is the extra mile, if you will, but it has residual long-term generational impacts. And in those uh, communities that are maybe neglected, when they are kind of reached out to and served in this manner, then you're uh, helping them strengthen the community. And, and that, like you said, well, could have ripple effects you know, for generations. Absolutely. That is um, in investing in health equity and really understanding how to put um, health equity into practice um, is a cornerstone of, of building community wellness. And that has um, implications for how entire populations, entire cities and, and communities and neighborhoods will fare into the future. Now, uh, there, uh, historically, there's been talk of food deserts in some communities. Uh, it, I would imagine it's the same thing with there's healthcare deserts in some communities. There are um, definitely there are healthcare deserts. There are there are pharmacy deserts as well um, in communities, and these are communities that have largely been um, dis economically disinvested um, uh, over time, and and have 
you know, lost the access to these really important resources. Um, when I worked for the Commonwealth of Virginia, um, the office I, I used to leave was the Office of Health Equity. And uh, one of our roles was actually to designate those areas that were health provider shortage areas, um, where there were fewer providers per capita, per se, and, and per 100,000 people. Um, in a particular area and to try to place providers in those areas. So um, absolutely, there, there are food deserts and, and there are um, areas that, that have been deprived of not only food, but of healthcare services and healthcare providers and professionals. And that also leads to health inequities. And, um, but by solving this problem, you, you're having a, a tremendous impact. This isn't something that... Um can be neglected for much longer. And the, and the pandemic like this probably just, uh, you know, magnifies the situation times a hundred. Yes. Um, so, so very much so. I mean, um, in, in other kind of interviews and some other panels and discussions I've been on, um, you know, I've really been asked, are we getting closer to health equity? Um, what's at stake for us if we don't get to health equity? Um, literally everything is at stake for, for us if we don't prioritize um, health equity now. Really, it's not even into the future. It's in this very moment, this critical moment we're in uh, right now. Because number one, um, as our society continues to diversify and we continue to have changing demographics, um, it's projected in less than 20 years that the United States will become a majority minority country. Um, and that means people of color will, will be the majority of the population here. And if we don't figure out how to do a better job of ensuring that our healthcare systems work for um, all of us and work equitably and fair for all of us, then that will continue to drive up um, inequities, which will make costs uh, much higher, insurance costs and the costs we already uh, spend a lot on, on healthcare will only drive up costs even more. But second, we'll also fail to just have a productive society. When people are sick, they cannot be productive citizens. They, they aren't good customers. Um, they cannot participate in our workforce. So health and wellness is very, very important um, to not only um, ensure that we have a functioning uh, society, but that we have a successful um, society as well. Now, are there any communities or countries or organizations that are doing this well, in your opinion? Oh, gosh, that's a, a hard question. <laughs> um, well, I think as a country, I think there are European countries actually do a much better job of just um, investing in social services um, much heavier. And because of that, the, the cost, uh, the amount of money that they spend on healthcare is much lower in comparison to the United States. Um, now, I certainly don't think um, the, the structure of European society is, is, is uh, superior to the United States. I'm not suggesting that. But I do think um, the ways that uh, the UK and other European um, countries invest. I think Denmark and like Switzerland are, are some of the top. Um, but the ways that, that they invest um, money in, in government resources into social services. So what do I mean by that? By making sure people can have housing, have uh, food and, and safe and um, healthy food and access to jobs and education. 
that people aren't necessarily going into debt, trying to, to just become high, uh, just achieve higher education goals. Um, that investing in that has residual impacts on health. Those, all of those things are what we refer to as the social determinants of health. That is everything outside of just the five to, to well, the 15 to 20 minutes perhaps you will spend with a healthcare provider that has more of an impact on your health. So countries that invest more in the social determinants of health see much lower um, healthcare costs. And I think that's something we should aspire to. Um, and what another thing I'd like to see us aspire to is, is really uh, dealing with and in, in coming to grips with how racism has impacted and continues to impact uh, the livelihoods of so many in this country. And that's, that's a tough one uh, in your role as a um, health consultant, <laughs> but I'm sure that, I, I mean, that, that has to interplay in, in everything, but um, do you address that in your work as well? Absolutely. We address that head on in our work. Um, that is a major determinant that we cannot overlook, um, that there are structural, institutional, interpersonal forms of racism, and that that has a very significant impact on health and wellness um, in this country. And there are other forms of discrimination and oppression that, that we also address head on um, that have, you know, very serious implications for health outcomes as well. And if we're trying to create healthcare systems that truly promote health and wellness, um, those are not issues that we can skirt around. So now if you're, uh, so an organization engages you, uh, mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, the first thing is some sort of an assessment, I guess, to see where they're at at this kind of moment in time, right? That's mm -hmm. the beginning yeah. stages so that mm -hmm. you know where to go from there. And then uh, I would imagine you build some sort of a roadmap or kind of come up with some sort of a, a, a str strategy in order to, um, you know, help kind of shore up some of the weaknesses that you discover? Yes. So we pull out um, several sort of um, indicators, if you will, that, that we would like to work with the clients on. Um, we kind of end up seeing sometimes um, similar, a lot of similarities in, in the areas that organizations need to work on. So um, certainly becoming comfortable with the vocabulary of, um, of racial equity, of health equity, um, certainly thinking about um, how to better diversify leadership often and, and board membership often. That's, that's also very important. Um, thinking about how to operationalize health equity in day-to-day -day operations. So taking this out of being something that feels very abstract into something that's very practical. Um, and then doing, we actually have some clients do, uh, we give them homework assignments. <laughs> so it's almost like a little bit of a class, but much more fun, hopefully. Um, but we often sometimes assign homework assignments where we assign organizations um, the role of really speaking to a number of their stakeholders and people and in their perhaps customer base or, or patients or communities that they serve to get um, an idea of what, what is an outside perspective on how this organization is operating um, and, and how well they are working to build relationships um, externally. And then are there kind of um, milestones or markers or metrics that you use to uh, kind of see if they're, if it's working? 
Absolutely. Yes. Um, so we do assessments. Um, it all depends on the client and how long they like to work with us, but you know, we're really open to um, long-term relationships because we really want to see deep systems change. And we recognize that that does not happen overnight. Um, but we look at indicators um, such as uh, kind of doing an additional organizational assessment um, perhaps months into an engagement to see how how sentiments have changed, how knowledge and um, attitudes and beliefs perhaps have changed about um, uh, racial equity, health equity, um, how practices and policies perhaps have changed within the organization. We work with um, lots of leaders to create mission statements and vision statements and goals around health equity. And so we're able to use that um, as, as indicators for our progress as well. Do you use um, indicators in terms of the uh, way they're serving the community now? Do, has yeah. that improved in like counting? Okay, look, we, yeah. we didn't go into these eight communities of need and now we have, so then that's progress. We Absolutely, yes, absolutely. The extension of community engagement and community integration are certainly very, very important indicators. And um, impact, like how many lives have you reached? How many individuals have you touched with your work um, who you may not have, have engaged with previously? Now, can you share a story of maybe you working with an organization? You don't have to name the organization, but you worked with a group and had an impact that you're proud of? Sure. Um, I worked with um, a very large group um, earlier in the year and actually at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, this organization had never really um, utilized an equity lens in, in thinking about emergencies in particular. Um, and at the height of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, you know, there was a real need for masks and hand sanitizers. And um, that was really life-saving at that point. So we're talking probably like, you know, May or April of last year. Um, and traditionally, this organization would uh, share those resources uh, in sort of uh, a lens of equality. So we, they would just send it out to everybody, just whomever. There was no real rhyme or reason as to how these uh, resources were distributed. And the Equitists, we work with them and uh, we encourage them to allocate resources through a lens of equity. We actually educated them on what that meant and the need to uh, leverage community relationships and community partners in distributing this. And so as a result of that, um, we actually use data to help us target the most under-resourced localities um, and to ensure that we were um, going to have a community connection. We actually activated the fire department and, and firefighters on the ground, um, gave them a crash course on health equity and sort of explained to them why we were asking for their help, um, why we were actually asking them to help go door to door and to distribute masks and hand sanitizers to the most under-resourced uh, within their communities. And we did that, um, kicked it off about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, it has since concluded, but in the time that um, this pilot was active, that we helped sort of construct and implement, we were able to distribute over a million masks and a million bottles of hand sanitizer to the most under-resourced um, to their doorstep uh, in a time where we were not sure if, you know, 
these communities could afford these resources, but we knew that they really needed them because these were life-saving. And that's a creative solution to engage the firefighters. Yes, yes. And so we were able to introduce, you know, health equity to to several stakeholders and to to several um, influencers, to the fire department who understands the social determinants of health a little bit better now and, and their role in helping to create a health a healthy and uh, well society um, to our client who has a, a major role in uh, responding to emergencies and responding specifically to um, this emergency. Um, and then to others who were involved in and who learned of this initiative um, really set the ground and, and set a framework and an example of how you actually prioritize health equity and you put it into action. Now, April is National Minority Health Month. Is there things that folks can be doing uh, to increase the awareness about this challenge? Sure. Um, Yes, April is National Minority Health Month. I think um, learning about health equity, I think um, the American Public Health Association certainly usually does um, a campaign around this, and there are several learning opportunities. Um, Easy to find lots of things on Twitter, Um, There's usually a hashtag for National Minority Health Month. So um, I think it's literally that hashtag, um, hashtag National Minority Health Month. Um, And and I would encourage folks to um, do a little bit of Googling and Google health equity, Google health inequities, uh, racial health inequities, um, and learn just what they are. Um, and, and then think about ways that um, you as an individual, I do think that there are things that all of us can individually do to contribute to creating a society of health and wellness. Um, among those is, uh, you know, treating folks around us and folks that we, we interact with, with kindness, respect, um, and ultimately like love. That sounds really cheesy, but <laughs> it goes a long way to creating a society where we can all feel like we um, have fair opportunities and um, are able to live our very best lives. Now, if there's an organization out there that wants to um, kind of take their health equity game from theory to action and want to get a hold of you or somebody on your team, what's the website or the best way to get a hold of you? Yes, the website is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, that's www.theequitist, all one word, dot co, C-O. Um, in addition, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can search for me, Dr. Lauren R. Powell on LinkedIn. Um, happy to connect there. And uh, yeah, we would love to help. And that website, once again, is www.theequitist.co, right? That is correct. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Richmond Business Radio.